For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome, everyone. I'm Matt Bellany. Today is Thursday, March 17th, St. Patty's Day. Today, we're going to talk with media analyst Andrew Wallenstein, a noted Irishman. And we're going to talk about Amazon closing its $8.5 billion deal for MGM Studios. Uh, a huge deal in Hollywood. $6.5 billion, and then with debt, it's $8.5 billion. A lot of billions. What's going to happen to the Amazon Prime interface? What's going to happen to those 4,000 movies in the MGM library? What's going to happen to you, a consumer of media and entertainment? Uh, but first, I want to talk a little bit about the Chris Cuomo situation. I, I, I can't quite understand how it got to here. Chris Cuomo, if you haven't seen, he filed an arbitration demand uh, yesterday. He's asking for $125 million for his firing from CNN. He's claiming that he's owned about $15 million of salary left on his deal for 19 months. But he's also saying that he's owed about $110 million because CNN fired him and essentially, in his words, tarred and feathered him and destroyed his reputation by allowing all of its journalists to disparage him. I don't quite understand how it got to here because if I was CNN, just pay the guy off. Give him his $15 million. This is a kind of insane situation. They've allowed Cuomo to be out there going nuts on them for months and months now. The investigation around his exit led to the uncovering of an inappropriate relationship by the head of CNN, Jeff Zucker, with his marketing chief that led to his exit. And now they've got a arbitration to deal with, and they're probably going to end up settling the whole thing with him for a payout anyways. I know the CNN journalist would have said, why is this guy getting a payout? He was fired for uh, allegedly uh, inappropriately assisting his brother, Andrew Cuomo, in the sexual harassment allegations against him. And they probably would have gone public and said, wait, CNN should not be paying this guy. You know what? They should have taken the hit. They should have absolutely paid him off. Now they've got to deal with this legal proceeding, and they're probably going to end up settling with him anyways. All right, that's my take on Cuomo. Let's get into my conversation with Andy Wallenstein. We're going to talk about MGM and Amazon. I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Andrew Wallenstein. I have known Andy for years. He is a very smart guy. He is the chief media analyst for Variety Intelligence Platform, which is the wonkiest slash nerdiest offshoot of Variety. 
and uh, they he, he knows everything about the deal market, uh, the you know consumption data that everybody is looking at these days, and um, and we're going to talk a little bit about this MGM acquisition by Amazon, which closed today, Thursday. Andy, this is a six point five billion dollar deal, eight point five if you count debt. Amazon is just chugging away. It's second largest acquisition after the Whole Foods acquisition a few years ago. Um, I think a lot of people see this and they're like, okay, well, how does this impact me? How are customers of Amazon Prime going to see more, less, you know, have their experience with Amazon Prime different than they've had in the past? It's certainly going to help Amazon Prime be a better product uh, in terms of the video side, which has been, I think, a, a pretty good first decade for the company. Uh, they've put together a good assemblage of original movies and TV shows. This is going to supercharge that. Think about the catalog. And we're talking about thousands of movies and TV shows. 4,000 movies, uh, about 17,000 episodes of television. It's got everything from, you know, the Thomas Crown Affair to James Bond, although the James Bond franchise is distributed by MGM, but it is not controlled by MGM. The Broccoli family in the UK, they make all the creative decisions on the Bond movies. So anyone who thinks that all of a sudden the James Bond movies are just going to go straight to streaming, the Broccoli's really want the James Bond movies to go to theaters. So I think we're going to continue to see that. But other than that, there's tons of other movies that are going to be available eventually on Prime. But, th but think about for a second, putting aside what Bond is going to be in theaters or not, what else Amazon could conceivably do with that franchise if they get the blessing of the Broccolis. This could become a whole cinematic universe. They can marvelize this where there's all sorts of TV shows, secondary characters. But you got to ask... Is it actually the is it actually the fact that the Bond franchise was I think it always had scarcity in its pocket as the thing that has really helped that just you know a movie every couple of years if all of a sudden Bond is everywhere does it lose its mystique I wonder about that but, but and good luck with the Broccoli's they have been proposed every single possible spinoff TV show everything and they always say no they've done some work in the gaming world they've had you know a few bond games and they've got some development but i i don't think that just because amazon now owns mgm that the broccoli family is just going to say oh yeah let's do three bond tv prequels i just don't see that happening well, is it a matter of money, though? If you have a company that just paid 40% premium to grab you outright, is there more money that could come their way that will grease the skids for doing more with the Bond franchise? I think they'd be crazy not to consider that. Sure. I mean, money, I think, matters to everyone at some point. Everyone's got a price. But at least so far, the Broccoli's have resisted all efforts to pay them to do more with the franchise. They like producing a movie every few years. Uh, it's got a, you know, it's the family business. Uh, Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson, who manage it, they have a whole apparatus around them, and it's, you know, close, tight-knit family. She went on the record saying that Jeff Bezos did not call her <laughs> when the deal closed, which I think she was personally offended by. Um, you know, but we'll see. Money does talk. I, I have a one question looking at the, background on this, because a lot of people wondered why this deal took so long. It was announced last summer, and you know everyone was saying, oh, MGM is a tiny company. If you think about it, it's got a big brand, but it is really a tiny company. It's basically a, a library that, uh, and they have a, a group there that makes you know five, 10 movies a year. 
They have a TV department run by Mark Burnett that has had some success with shows like Handmaid's Tale, and they do some stuff in the reality world. But this is not a major studio when we think of major studios. Yet, there was a lot of speculation that the government would step in and block this merger as being anti-competitive. I never quite understood that. It really doesn't seem like it's going to be a game changer. Amazon um, is, you know, is kind of dipping its toe into this world. It did not, it did not buy Comcast or uh, Paramount, Viacom, CBS, and yet the speculation about this was pretty rampant. Why do you think everyone thought that this deal could potentially be foiled by the government? Because Amazon has a gigantic target on its back. I mean, look at the head of the FTC, Lena Khan, uh, a Biden appointee who has her whole career is built on being an opponent of Amazon. So, yes, MGM is a relative small fry. But when you've got a gigantic fry like Amazon doing the swooping here, any move they make could bear scrutiny. I, I would think given the anti-monopoly posturing of the Biden administration, they're looking for something to make an example of. And don't forget, this is very important, the FTC could still make a move post-acquisition. So this, this may not be over. Right. And I did see something, you know, where the FTC right now is two and two, two Republicans, two Democrats, and there's a Biden appointee that has not been confirmed by the Senate. So let's say that Biden appointee gets in there. It's three to two. Lena Khan says, all right, let's make our move. And she has the votes to potentially screw around with this. Then I, I think you've got a war on your hands. And I would not be surprised to see the exact scenario you just described happen. You don't put Lena Khan in at the FTC and expect her to sit on her hands when it comes to Amazon. Now, I mean, there's other things going on, plenty of other things that Amazon is bearing scrutiny of. And I'm certainly is with bigger targets than MGM. Nevertheless, I, I think MGM could still be a target. And it's a sexy brand, I guess, if you're, you know, if it's a brand that everybody knows, you've heard of it. Um, it, you know, everyone knows the lion. And I, I just think if you are sitting in a nondescript building in DC, thinking about ways to make a splash, uh, going after the big sexy media deal is probably a good way to get some attention. Sure. But, you know, this brings me back to Jeff Bezos and his interest in the entertainment industry. He loves this stuff. And it's funny because I actually about, I want to say about 10 years ago, maybe a little more, I met him at an HBO Golden Globes party. This was at a time where Amazon Prime was just in its beginning stages and we had no sense of the ambition here. And I could tell he loved the spectacle of it all. It's not like he sat there giving me trade secrets, but I got a vibe off the guy that I'm not surprised to see him all these years later going in big with MGM, spending $500 million on a Lord of the Rings uh, season of television. This is his wheelhouse. Yeah, I once stood behind Bezos in line for a drink at the Golden Globes, and it was uh, he was very happy to be the center of attention. I didn't yeah. notice the woman standing next to him, who at the time I associated as being Patrick Weitzel's wife, the, the agent, uh, <laughs> would be Lauren Sanchez, his new girlfriend, fiance, whatever she is. But all right, that's a separate topic. So how is this going to play out within Hollywood? I mean, I know there's been a lot of speculation about how the MGM people are going to be integrated into the Amazon Borg. It's a very different 
company culture. You know, the salaries are much lower. People are paid in stock. The MGM people have a, you know, very high flying uh, film chief and Mike DeLuca, who I think would like to continue on in that role at Amazon. But the people there, Mike Hopkins and Jennifer Salky, are pretty entrenched and they have a lot of support from Amazon. They claim there's no layoffs coming. But what do you see about the integration of the MGM people into Amazon? Well, clearly there's a lot of duplication when you look at what Amazon Studios does and what MGM does. So it's a little hard for me to believe that MGM will just be sort of tucked in and operate alongside Amazon Studios. We don't know what's going to be there. I would be surprised if a Mike DeLuca is just left to operate as he always has. Um, oh, but you absolutely could not. I mean, look, if you look at the movies that DeLuca has been making, I mean, He's had some success with movies like uh, Dog, which is in theaters right now. But a lot of these kind of filmmaker-driven, awards-oriented movies that he's made, like Licorice Pizza or even House of Gucci or Respect or Cyrano, these movies have not been big money makers of the box office. Now, obviously, the box office is very challenged right now. But are those the kind of movies that Amazon is going to want to make? Because Amazon has been moving away from the kind of indie-oriented small movies like Manchester by the Sea, which they made a name on early on. They've been going towards big blockbuster-style movie like the Chris Pratt movie, The Tomorrow War. They picked up the Jack Ryan movie, Without Remorse. They had the Borat sequel. They did the Coming to America sequel. They picked up Transylvania Hotel Transylvania 4. So these are movies that are traditional studio blockbuster types. And MGM has not really been making those kinds of movies. No. And and so you got to wonder what the configuration is going to be like here. Does Amazon Studios continue to go in its more mainstream direction, bigger movies like The Tomorrow War? Does MGM become something like a, a Fox Searchlight where it is just focused on the smaller art house movies that they make some of? But MGM's got a lot of properties in that library that they can bring back in a big way. So will they be relied on to do that? Or do they have to hand that over to Amazon Studios? I I just don't see them sitting side by side as if nothing has ever changed. Yeah. And I, from everything I've heard, DeLuca would have to report to Jen Salky, and I'm not sure he would want to do that. He's been, he's had a lot of autonomy. Um, I, I really hope this all ends with a new RoboCop movie. Uh, that, uh, would, that if, would be If there's one special. franchise in dire need of a reboot, it's and that. we it, it could deliver packages. RoboCop could deliver packages right to your door. You call him a day before Amazon Prime fired up and he comes to your door with, with a gun. I'd rather have a drone <laughs> deliver my package. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. All right. Thank you, Andy Wallenstein. This has been great. Andy is the chief media analyst at Variety Intelligence Platform, also a former college DJ. Thank you for coming <laughs> on, Andy. Thank you. All right, we are back to finish this up with a surefire, 100% probable Hollywood prediction of the day. I am going to go out on a limb here and say that The Lost City, which comes out on March 25th, is going to be Sandra Bullock's biggest hit since Gravity. Whoa! Yes, Producer Craig, that is a, uh, a bold claim considering she's been making Netflix movies and has not really been a, uh, a box office person for the last few years, but... I mean, Gravity, let's look at the numbers. Gravity made $274 million domestic, $723 million worldwide. Do not think it's going to get to those numbers. But I think it's going to get, you know, up there. A couple hundred million domestic, maybe get to $500 million worldwide. It has that feel of a tentpole-ish action movie, but also a comedy. 
could actually end up being Channing Tatum's biggest movie. I'm going to give you a quiz here. Uh, what is Channing Tatum's highest grossing movie that he, that he starred in? Not that he appeared in. Apparently, he was in War of the Worlds, which I didn't even remember. I'm going to say 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street is not correct. Worldwide, his biggest grosser is G.I. Joe Retaliation. Wow. Yeah, which actually only made $375 million worldwide. So for as big a hit, for as big a star as Channing Tatum is, and people perceive him to be someone who can open a movie, and that that uh, weird dog movie he just made is actually doing pretty well, um, he has not had a $400 million grossing movie worldwide that he was a star of. Uh, I think The Lost City could be that movie. This is like a I'm Still Here movie for Bullock and Tatum. I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock. That is my bold prediction of the day. Feel free to call me out if I'm wrong. Uh, but uh, the great thing about box office, unlike Netflix, is that we can actually tell when a movie is successful and when it isn't. So we'll be able to check me on this one. All right. Thank you, Craig. And thank you to you for listening. I'm Matt Bellany. We'll be back next week. It's Oscar week. We will have a bunch of Oscar-related, hot, fresh takes and content and interviews. Um, it's going to be a good one. So we'll see you then. Thank you.